How's everyone doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, happy 2024. Yeah, last time we were together was the last day of 2023. So this is the first time we've seen each other. It feels weird, like, cause it's, I feel like it's been 2024 for a month already. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, we're so good to have all of you here with us today. Um, to kick off 2024, we are going to be spending some time talking about what it means to be missional and how we can be missional in our own context. Uh, River Tree was founded as a missional church. Being missional was at the core of why River Tree started. And so we want to just kind of revamp that, revisit that, kind of just talk about it again to really try to get us excited and to give us tools we need to go out and do that. And so to do that, we're going to spend three weeks talking about the idea of mission. What is it for each of us to be missional in our own context? We're going to look at today why being missional is important. Next week, we're going to look at how can we identify the missional people, the missional opportunities around us, each in our own individual context. And then we're going to look at once we identify those groups, those people, those activities, how can we be missional there? How, how can we bring God to those groups, to those people, to that place, to whatever it is? We're going to spend three weeks doing that, and then we're going to do three weeks on conversations. How to have conversations, how to build up to spiritual conversations. If I'm feeling really feisty, we might even do some, like, call some of you up and we'll, like, role play some examples of things, depending on how much I want to embarrass people. But, so that, that's kind of what the first, you know, six weeks of the year is going to look like for us. And for at least the first six weeks, or the first three weeks, going into six, but especially for the first three, this is going to be kind of our core passage we're going to keep coming back to. So I'll just kind of read it up front here, and we'll, and we'll keep coming back to it a, a lot. As Jesus continued on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. As Jesus sat down to eat in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people do not need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. So we're going to keep coming back to this, so just kind of keep this in your head. We're going to continually reference it, so just keep it up there. Today, we're going to look at this big idea of why should we be a missional church? Why is it important for us to be missional? We're going to look at kind of three big aspects of that. The first one, first reason, is the missional church reflects the missional nature and manner of God. God is missional. God just intrinsically is missional. Think about in Scripture. If you do just a brief look, how many times Jesus is sent? If you want to look at John, it's 38 times. 38 times in the Gospel of John, it is said Jesus was sent to do something. Whether directly being sent or Jesus talking about himself as being sent by God. So that's really part of, especially the gospel story, the New Testament story. But it continues. Jesus also does sending. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit here in John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus leaves, sends the Holy Spirit to help us. It continues. The Holy Spirit then 
does some sending. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Now, what I like about just this idea of God as a missional God is notice God sends, so we have God sending Jesus, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit sending the disciples, us, so you have that aspect of it as kind of being sent out, which is the part the church is really good at. The church is really good about, I, I'm gonna, you're going to go out and do this, we're going to send you some money, I'm a good Christian now, my missional job is fulfilled. That's half of it, because who, does, who is sent in a lot of these? Jesus, God, is sent. Holy Spirit, God, is sent. So God is both a God who sends and a God who is sent. So if we want to be missional like God is missional, we have to both send and be the sent ones. We have to do both. That's reason number one. God is a missional God. Reason number two. The missional church is about being Christ in a post-Christian world. Now, when I say being Christ, I don't mean actually being Christ. You, you want to be like representing Christ in a post-Christian world. Now, this one's hard for a lot of people because uh, we don't maybe want to accept we, we're in a post-Christian world. You get a lot of pushback from that. But hopefully we'll look at some things and kind of see what I'm talking about. But this idea is all about, it's less about getting people into a church building and more about us being sent out to bring Jesus to people. For, you know, it's about this idea of go and see, versus, or go and be versus come and see. I mixed up my, my, my rhyming acronyms there. So go and be versus come and see. Why are we in this situation where we have this kind of dichotomy here? Well, it's, a lot of it is for 70, 80 plus years, probably even longer, the American church has worked under this attractional idea. This idea of we can reach out into culture and draw people to us. Now, this has been effective. This has been very effective for the church. The issue is this is most effective when the inside doesn't look that much different than the outside. And over time, that has become less and less the case. There's a great quote from Alan Hirsch, who's one of the kind of fathers of this idea of a missional church. And he talks about this. As Western culture has become increasingly post-Christian, the attractional model has lost its effectiveness. The West looks more like a cross-cultural missionary context in which attractional church models are self-defeating. Furthermore, the process of extracting people from the culture and assimilating them into the church diminishes their ability to speak to the outside. So this is saying that right now the American context is more like in the context of a, for an international missionary. It's no longer the assumption that we, you live in a Christian world. So what does that kind of mean? Well, any missionary who goes overseas, who works in a different context, knows you can't use the attractional model. No one will come if it's very different. So let's take a look at some of our missionaries that we support here. David, Edwin the Saints. What was the, what was the strategy? The, what, what did they do? They went and addressed a cultural problem. Mass rape. That was the problem they went to fix. That transitioned into churches 
Bible teaching and such. But it started as just purely safe havens, doctors, and therapists. That's where it started. Gomorrah's house in Macedonia. I can never pronounce her name right. I'm going to mess it up 100%. Um, Adria? If you're watching Adria, uh, correct me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, she's a nurse. That was their in. Medicine. Andy, his original into Macedonia, which is the Peace Corps. They didn't start out, we're going to dive right in with the church. They started out through other means, addressing problems. Moses Kim in Turkey, really hampered with what he's allowed to do from a religious standpoint there. So we saw the need of, this is a, a group of people that want a community, that want a place to be. So opened a coffee shop, a meeting place, and is building connections that way. Now all of these slowly move into building a church, bringing people together. But none of them start that way. If any of these had started with just showing up, building a church, handing out flyers, they would all be home right now ha having been failed missionaries. Because that's not how mission works. So what is the American Christian landscape then, or the American religious landscape? What, what is it? Well, let's start back in 2010. 2010, this study was done, I think, was, I think this was by Pew. And 70% identified as Christians. Now, this is including, this is lumping together Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox, LDS, Jehovah Witnesses. That's clustering together a lot. In all practicality, they probably should be split out. If you pulled out just Protestant out of it, I think it was like 55%, or no, just under 50% or something. But I have it on their slide. But you get the idea. A decent amount. But when you push further, these numbers can be a little misleading. So you have 70% saying they're Christian. Of that 70%, of the people that identified as Christian, only 63% said they were certain there was a God. Of that 70% that self-identified as Christian, only 53% said religion was at all important. Of that 70% who self-claimed to be Christians, only 35% said reading the Bible was important. So even 2010, you're starting to see moving into a post-Christian idea. And let's move it forward. At the end of 2021, December 2021, there were some places still quasi in lockdown at that point, so there was a lot of phone calls going around, I guess, doing research. Um, new study was done, and it found that 63% of people identified as Christian. 29% identified as no religion. Now, if you break down the Christianity side even more, split it out into Protestant and Catholic, these are the top three religions in the country. Protestant at 40%, no religion at 29%, and Catholic at 23%. So if you count no religion as a religion, if you count that, it's the fastest growing religion over the past 20 years in America. Estimates are in the next 10 to 15 years, be, it'll be the number one religion above Protestantism. So the Western Church has enjoyed this position of power for so long. The assumption being everyone's Christian. Everyone had grown up in church, has some exposure to church. And that's no longer the case. 
So according to new numbers, one out of every three people identifies as no religion. So, what do we do? We have to act like missionaries. We have to act and go out. This idea is called being incarnational. Now, when you hear that term, what do you think of? Yeah? Any idea? Jesus, yeah, Jesus, yeah. Jesus is called God incarnate, right? It's God in flesh, God come to us. So this whole idea is just God being embedded in our world. So being incarnate is just the idea of embedding in something. Um, I like, so this idea comes John 1, 14, I think sums up this idea best about Jesus, you know. And the world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, uh, glory as of the only son, son from the father, full of grace and truth. So dwelt among us. Now, I'm not normally a huge fan of the message, but I think they killed this translation. They did, I, th I love the way they render this verse. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Just think about that idea of Jesus coming to us. Explain that for us. Jesus is present in the neighborhood. We have to be present in the neighborhood. I, I just like the kind of visual or way that that stimulates this idea of incarnation, moving into the neighborhood. So we have to embed the gospel in our local context. People are less and less coming into church to hear the good news, to hear Jesus. So we have to move out. We have to take Jesus out to people. I think a lot of times we, we can ask the wrong questions here. A lot of times we were in this category, we ask, well, why aren't people coming to church? How can we change church to make people come in? When you start asking those questions, you end up with a revamped worship service. You get a new light show. You get better coffee. That, and that's not addressing the question. But I think the better question is, how can we bring Jesus before people? Because for a long time, the attraction model was the best way to bring Jesus before people. People did come here to see Jesus. But that's not happening anymore. So it's, how can we bring, still bring Jesus before people? It's going out to where the people are. How many of you just thought of Little Mermaid right there? Okay, okay I see a couple of people. Okay, excellent. <laughs> um, so we have to, it's going out. Because people aren't necessarily coming in. For a lot of reasons. Um, a, a lot of you know, I do a lot of work at a local pub here. I've been working there three, four years now. And some of the people there are nowhere close to stepping foot in a church. They joke that they would catch on fire if they stepped into a church, and some of them might not be wrong. <laughs> but over the course of time, we've been able to have conversations to the point that a good number of them, if I don't see them for a while, there's one person in particular um, I didn't see for like two months. And the next time I saw them, they were like, hey, I hadn't seen you for a long time. I kind of was talking with you. So I, I downloaded and listened to one of your sermons just to build that connection. So that's the idea of being missional. It's just going out and being present, bringing Jesus to people.
And notice in the passage how Jesus does this. That's why I love this passage so much. So Jesus goes to Matthew, goes to Matthew's workplace, and then goes to Matthew's house for dinner. So I, I still have both sides of it there. Jesus is going out to where Matthew is, but notice he's not going out handing him a flyer and saying, hey, come, come, come to my church. He's going out to him and then going to his house for dinner, hanging out with Matthew's friends, the tax collectors and the sinners, Matthew's friends that joined them there. So I just love that double idea of being missional, going out and then being present with people. That's, that's reason number two. Reason number three. The missional church is about the total active participation in the message of God. We often think of God's mission, primary activity in the world happening in the church. I think we all too often think everything God does, you know, is, it's in the church. That's God's primary place of work. When really God's primary place of work is the world. It's happening outside of the church. Think of Jesus' mission. You know, we've been in Matthew two full years after Lent. We'll start in Matthew again. So we've spent a lot of time in Matthew. We've gone most way through it. How many of those stories take place in a synagogue? Not very many. They're mostly out, crowds with Jesus, Jesus at people's houses, weddings, feasts, events. And even more so, some of the, a lot of the scenes that take place in synagogues is Jesus yelling at religion, is Jesus yelling at the established religion saying, you've got it wrong. So if we want to mirror Jesus and Jesus' mission, we have to be out in the world too. We have to be out, actively participating. And as I said, this participation is active. Because if you go back to our passage, Jesus doesn't just go, go to Matthew's work and just hang out there. Right? I feel like we do that sometimes. We're like, I'm going you know, I'm, I'm, I'm to go to this event here and, and, and just kind of sit here. That could be a good first step. If you're someone who doesn't do that a lot and that's a big step for you, that could be a great first step. But that's not the end. Jesus goes out and has a conversation, engages, makes a friend. I think I've heard one time that Jesus is the, the biggest miracle Jesus did was having 12 close friends in his 30s. And I think that gets overlooked a lot, right? Like, we, look past, we think, oh, this is Jesus, you know, calling a disciple. No, this is Jesus making a friend. He's going to Matthew and basically saying, be my friend. And they have dinner, and they develop this friendship. Okay. This can be overwhelming. We've talked about it a lot today. But if we simplify it down, the idea of being missional is really just the idea of being God's hands, feet, ears, and mouth in our community. It's being tangible, hands and feet, being present with people, actively participating in people's lives, and it's ears and mouth. It's listening, having conversations, being relational. Tangible, relational both of them working in tandem out into our world. Again, Jesus does both in this passage. Tangible, 
goes to Matthew, has dinner with Matthew, and then conversational. He gets in trouble for this passage for talking too much to sinners, having too many conversations, according to the Pharisees. So that's what we have to do. To help with that, we have I've developed a kind of series of questions that we're going to put up every week. You're going to get so sick and tired of seeing these questions. But my hope is that these questions will help us think through things going on through the week. So, questions we have up here. Every week we're going to throw this up. And I will, I'm going to put this on social media. As it's going to be in the weekly update this week. I can have, make printouts if you want, so you can have tangibly with you. So you can just kind of be constantly thinking about these questions. So, first question. What was Jesus trying to tell you this week? What was Jesus trying to tell you this week? And a lot of times the idea behind this question is this is kind of personally, your relationship with Jesus. What's been Jesus talking to you about this week? Second question, how did you see the Holy Spirit trying to work in the world this week? So this question is about what's going on around you. Are you noticing moments when the Holy Spirit might be saying, hey, you see that over there? That's, that's your opportunity. That, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that one right out there for you. Do you hear that conversation going on over there? Do you see that person over there? When you like, do you ever feel that nudge where you're like, you're constantly thinking about someone over a week? Or just someone's on your heart? That could be this. And then three, how did you respond to the working of the Holy Spirit this week? So question two is, did you notice what the Holy Spirit was doing on? Did you kind of pick up what the Holy Spirit was dropping for you? And then part three is, how did you respond? Did you, did you pick it up and go with it? So, example, I'll, I'll walk through an example for me this week. Question one, what was he just trying to tell you this week? A lot of it for me personally was trust. You know, I did some prep work for something else and it was all about, you know, how are we fully reliant on God and how that's really hard to do. So that's what was a lot on my heart this week, was how can I be more reliant? How can I be more trusting on God? Two, how did you see the, the, the Holy Spirit trying to work in the world this week? Example from, uh, for me from last night. I was out with some friends. We were playing darts. Uh, in between games, they went to get more food, more drinks, go to the bathroom. Tables were at a premium, so I stayed to guard our table. We didn't want it to, to get taken. While they were gone, um, this lady came over, and this table had the only ashtray around her. So she asked if, if, if she could use it to stand here and smoke. Okay. She asked, she's smoking. And in like two or three minutes, she's just like, I've had a terrible week. That is like golden platter right there for you. So that was, oh, I could see the Holy Spirit moving that week. Now, how did you respond? It could be very easy just to give a generic platitude of, oh, 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 that's, that's too bad, I'm sorry. And your cigarette smoke's bothering me, so I'm going to leave. Right? That'd be super, because it did. I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. It was bothering me. <laughs> but it's, how do you respond? I was able to have, not a long, maybe five, six, seven-minute conversation with this woman and pray with her. And then she went back to her group, kind of my group came back, and we kind of went on the rest of the night. But who knows what's going to happen with that? But just being attuned, to just, like that was an obvious one, like you could not see that one, but then just the ability to respond. Say, hey, what, what's going on this week? What, 
How's, you know, just go, having a quick back and forth. And then very few people will say no to being prayed for. It can feel like a weird thing to ask someone, but in a situation like that, I can't think of a person that would really say no. Quick, you know, 30-second prayer with this woman. She's gone. So those are the type of things for us to be looking this week. So next week, I'm going to end. I'm going to put the same questions up here. And I'm going to, you know, we'll give like two or three minutes, kind of sit, reflect, and think. And the next week, I'm going to start calling on people. I might give you a heads up ahead of time, be like, hey, do you have any questions? But, so just, just be ready. You're, I'm going to start calling on people to answer some of these questions. Because it's things like this that can help us start thinking missionally all the time. Because it can be a shift in mindset. It can be something new for us to think about. So whatever we can do to kind of constantly have it before us is what we're going to do. So that's it for this week. Um, next, we're going to take this idea, go more with it, talk about how to identify things and such. But let's pray.